When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. I am your host, Filippo. Unfortunately, I'm not joined by Pete today because he's feeling a bit sick. But nevertheless, I decided to recap the entire 2022 World Cup here. And, and you know, I thought about this long and hard and definitely very poor choice of words right there for myself. But this, to me, has been a wonderful World Cup. Do I have problems with what FIFA and the host nation Qatar done? Of course I do. But looking just from entirely a soccer standpoint, this World Cup was stunning. It was beautiful. It was tremendous. And I came up with this theory that FIFA and Qatar actually, they they try to make it so bad. They try to make it so bad before the World Cup started with so much stuff, right? Human rights abuse, corruption, change in calendar. But they tried so hard to make it bad that they reverse jinxed it and probably turned this into what was maybe the greatest World Cup of all time. And when we recap the World Cup here today, you will understand why I'm claiming this might have been the greatest World Cup of all time. I I really do believe that. Think about it. There were so many different storylines. Probably the greatest final in World Cup history, this Argentina-France game, was absolutely stunning amazing going to penalty shootouts after a 3-3 draw but we're going to recap every single group then i'm going to go through the knockout rounds and then uh, you guys are going to hear a lot from me from the world cup i have a lot a lot of thoughts to share about this 2022 world cup and i loved it i loved every second of it and we'll talk about it right now so why don't we get started why don't we start with group a go through group a Group A had the Dutch, the Netherlands side, very strong defensively. That ended up going on and defeating the United States later on, but we'll talk about that later. Senegal, a very good team that unfortunately was missing their best player, Sadio Mane, and they finished second in the group. They seem to have lost a little bit of their bite in this World Cup because of that. That's why England was able to knock them out later on with so much ease. Then you had Ecuador in Group A too, a young, exciting team. And I think Ecuador not getting out of the group was extremely unfortunate. I think they, they outplayed the Dutch in the group stage. They played very well. This team has a lot of young, promising players. Moises Caicedo, Pervis Estupinan, Sarmiento, Gonzalo Plata, Piero Incapié. So many good players and well coached by Gustavo Alfaro, the Argentine coach, which, by the way, Argentina produces so many great coaches. Uh, I guess we could go through that list at some point. I think that's one of the big, biggest difference makers between Brazil and Argentina. But in Group A... Ecuador, to me, I thought they could have got out of this group. Unfortunately, they did not. But they're more of a 2026 team instead of a 2022 team. And I think we're going to find that out eventually. 
Ecuador is just stunning to me. And I think they can and will do well in the 2026 World Cup as long as they qualify, which they should, even though it seems like they're going to start World Cup qualifying with negative three points because of that situation with the right back or that player that they played in World Cup qualifying that almost got them removed of the 2022 World Cup. But enough of Ecuador. Last but not least in Group A, we have Qatar. And where do I start with the Qataris? Well, first and foremost, they are the worst host nation in terms of performance of all time. Well, in terms of, you know, I'm not going to keep going into that. In terms of all the human rights abuse and corruption, they are definitely the worst one as well. But in terms of soccer performances, they played three games. They lost every game. They're the first host nation to lose every single game. That has never happened. Even South Africa, that didn't happen. They scored one goal and they allowed seven. Horrible. Truly horrible. Their performances weren't there. It just comes to show that, of course, with money, they were able to somewhat um, host a I mean, put up a show in terms of performance and lots of sports washing. But Qatar, they couldn't build a team. They made the Aspire Academy many, 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 many years ago, but they still were not able to make a World Cup team. So Qatar, this was probably your first and last World Cup. I just don't see it. This team is not good. They weren't good. They looked horrible in the World Cup. They got ran over by their opponents. And technically, Group A wasn't even the toughest group. Right. And Qatar just looked horrendous. Worst host nation of all time in terms of performance and many others. You can judge upon whatever you'd like. But yeah, Qatar wasn't good. So in Group A, we had Netherlands advancing in first with two wins and one draw and Senegal advancing in second with two wins and one loss. Defeating Ecuador in the last game was what got Senegal to the next round where they would face England, which brings me to Group B of the World Cup. And Group B is an interesting one, too. This was the one with the United States of America. So this was the group that, if you're listening to this, would probably follow it very closely. And this group arguably was one of the weakest ones in the 2022 World Cup, right? Iran and Wales just simply are not a good team. The United States, despite all the talent that I believe we have, we lacked experience, killer instinct. We had too many weak links in the roster and in the starting 11. And I do think our coach, Greg Berhalter, is the bare minimum coach. He accomplishes the bare minimum, which was getting out of this group. Now, the United States was able to pull a 0-0 draw with England. We tied with Wales after that silly PK or penalty kick that Walker Zimmerman gave to Gareth Bale. And we defeated Iran in a very scrappy win in the last round. Pulisic scored, got off injured. We had a grind out that result. Credit to us. We went through in second with five points. And that was great. And then we have England that topped the group of seven, where England struggled with the U.S. on that 0-0 draw. But they completely outran Iran and Wales, right? I believe, if I'm not mistaken right now, Iran was 6-2 England, and they beat Wales 3-0. So England did fine against lesser opponents, which is remarkable for the Gareth. It's a a mark of the Gareth Southgate era, right? Which, by the way, England didn't fire Gareth Southgate. He'll be with them at least till the 2024 Euros. But that's the one thing with Southgate is they keep saying he accomplishes so much with this English side. But when you really look into it, When you really look into England, what Gareth Southgate does is he literally just beats the teams he's supposed to beat, right? In the World Cup, the two toughest opponents he faced were the United States and France. And he tied the United States and he lost to France. He beat Senegal without Sadio Mane. Congratulations. That was expected. He beat Iran. He beat also Wales 
All of that was expected. You go back to the Euros, the 2020, who did they beat? They beat Germany in the knockout rounds, which Germany, by the way, hasn't gotten out of the World Cup group stage for two consecutive World Cups. So this is not the powerhouse German we remember. They have a lot to work on. They've been struggling quite a bit. They defeated Ukraine in the Euros. That's expected. They beat Denmark. That was expected. And they lost to Italy, which was the first one that was probably an even matchup. And you go back to the 2018 World Cup with Gareth Southgate. Uh, he beat, what, Sweden, Colombia in the knockout rounds? And then he lost to Croatia, the first real contender, maybe real strong team he faced. And he lost to Belgium twice in that World Cup. He lost to Belgium in the group stage and third place match. So this narrative that Gareth Southgate is doing a fantastic job is just false. The talent England has, he should have done more. But nevertheless, enough of Southgate. Then we go to Group C. Group C that has Argentina that finished in first, Poland finished in second, Mexico finished in third, and Saudi Arabia in fourth. This was an interesting group because the first thing I want to say is it's the group of the champions, Argentina, that won the World Cup, and they kicked off by losing to Saudi Arabia. And that gave us also that remarkable halftime speech from Herb Renard where he looks like a James Bond villain just shouting on the Saudi Arabia players. So they're able to come back in the second half and defeat Argentina in the opener. And at that time, at that time, many started to think that Argentina was done. They weren't going to fight for the title in the World Cup. And I told you guys on YouTube, I told this so many times on Twitter too, Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia and they are still contenders. And in fact, they were. And in fact, they won the World Cup. I did think they were going to lose to Brazil. We'll talk about that later, but they went through. Nevertheless, Mexico ended up not going through in that group with Poland advancing. It was unfortunate. On goal differentials, they both finished with four points. But the good thing for L3 fans here, for Mexico fans, is Mexico actually broke the Maldición del Quinto Partido, the curse of the fifth match. You know why? Because now it's the Maldición del Cuarto Partido, the fourth match. They couldn't even make it to the fourth match, man. This is just peak Mexican soccer right now. This is what's going on in Mexican soccer. Lose to the United States in Nations League. Lose to the United States in Gold Cup. Can't beat the U.S. or Canada in World Cup qualifying. Don't qualify to the U-20 World Cup. Don't qualify to the Olympics. Out in the group stage in the World Cup. If Mexico doesn't really take a long... Like, just stop and think for a second and fix the issues that are going on in Mexican soccer... They're losing it, man. This is was one of the worst Mexican sides I've ever seen in my life, if not the worst. And it's not looking good. And I think it's going to take more than just changing coaches. We know Tata Martino left, but it's going to take more for Mexico. I'm sorry. Um, if you're an L3 fan, I think you have a rough decade ahead of you until Mexico actually starts to develop more talent. But that's enough for Group C with Argentina topping and Poland advancing. Congratulations to Lewandowski for scoring finally in the World Cup. But uh, Group D... Group D had France, the current champions, and France was able to break the champion's curse. That was important for France. And then we had also Australia, Tunisia, and Denmark, which Denmark might have been the most disappointing team in the 2022 World Cup. They really were. Think about it. They were many analysts and experts, dark horse candidates, and their group was not that hard. They had to go through against Australia and Tunisia. They didn't have to beat France to go through. Nevertheless, France advanced in first with six points. Australia advanced in second with six, which was a big surprise. Tunisia finished in third with four points. And Denmark finished in last with one point. Only a draw of Tunisia. It was embarrassing. 
Now, big props to the Kangaroo Merchants, Australia, for advancing. It was quite surprising to me. And France for breaking the Champions Curse and even making it to the World Cup final, right? And and France looked good in this World Cup. And they're going to be contenders for 2026 and probably contenders for 20, 2030, right? This team is quite impressive. But uh, Denmark reminded me in this World Cup a little bit of Turkey in the 2020 Euros that was played in 2021, right? Everyone thought they were going to be a dark horse and then they just shat the bed during the group stage. Then we go to Group E. That finished with Japan in first place. Quite impressive. Spain in second. Germany with the second group stage exit in a row. The second one. And it's funny because Germany actually has a great team. You look at it on paper, there's great players there. And they probably should be building around Jamal Muziala now. Major talent. What a player we saw. And there's obviously pieces that can go on with him. Kimmich, Kai Havertz, and many others that will show up in the future like Florian Wurzza. But Germany's on the group stage for the second time in a row. They're going to keep Hansi Flick after the World Cup and at least to the Euros. It's just odd to see, because this is not Germany-like, right? It's starting to look like Italy a little bit, except for Italy doesn't qualify to World Cups anymore. Hopefully they do for the next one, but quite disappointing. And then Japan, that used a lot of players from their domestic league that started around the same time as Major League Soccer, looked a lot better than the United States, looked a lot better than many teams. They topped the group of Spain and Germany, and Costa Rica finished in last place, but Los Ticos still got three points, and they were not the worst team in CONCACAF in the World Cup. The worst team in CONCACAF in World Cup we're going to talk about soon was Canada. Okay, but Japan finished in first in Group E with six points. Spain finished in fourth. And Germany, sorry, Spain finished in second with four points, and Germany finished in third with four points, losing to Spain in goal differential because Spain defeated Costa Rica in the first game 7-0. That was the big difference maker right there. And Costa Rica finished in last with three points. So... Big props to Japan for that. Then we go to Group F. Group F was a great one, too. Because Group F had Canada, the almighty Canada, the self-claimed CONCACAF champions that came into this World Cup with high hopes. And I told the Canadians, I told them, I said, you guys are not getting out of your group. I, I mean, I expected you to get at least a win or a point. But Canada finished with zero points. And I told them. I told them that Canada was not going to get out of their groups, and they ultimately didn't get out of their group. It was actually they were the second worst team in the 2022 World Cup, only behind Qatar. Really, even though they were placed in a very tough group, right? Croatia and Morocco advanced in this group. Morocco in first, everyone's favorite underdog, and Croatia advanced in second. And both of these teams, Morocco and Croatia, advanced to the semifinals. So Canada was placed in a very tough group. And I must say, this was the end of the Belgium golden generation. It was embarrassing to get out of the group. But if Lukaku knew how to finish, if he could finish those opportunities against Croatia, they would have advanced and Croatia would have been out of the World Cup. So things could have changed quite a bit. But nevertheless, in terms of accomplishment, when you look into the 2018 World Cup and 2022 World Cup, I think we hyped the wrong golden generation. I think Croatia's golden generation might have been better than the Belgium one. They accomplished more in World Cups, one World Cup final, and one third place. While Belgium, they got one group stage exit and one World Cup semifinal. And I guess 2014, if you go back to that, Belgium got quarterfinals and Croatia got out in the group stage, right? But in terms of World Cup, Croatia accomplished more. So maybe we hyped the wrong golden generation. We should have hyped Croatia. But they advanced, and Luka Modric looked as good as ever. 
one of the greatest midfielders of all time, simply stunning. And we'll talk about the knockout rounds soon in this podcast. Now, Group G. Group G that came in with Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Serbia. And Serbia was also a major disappointment because many expected them to get out of the group. I expected Serbia to get out of the group, and they finished last with one point. Brazil topped the group of six, only on goal differential ahead of Switzerland with six points as well. And Cameroon finished in, in third place with four points. Cameroon defeated Brazil in the last game because Brazil played a B team, and they became the first African nation to ever beat Brazil in a World Cup. This was an amazing World Cup for Africa, right? Uh, Morocco making it to the semifinals, Cameroon defeating Brazil. But Brazil at the same time, during the group stage, they looked very good when they played their best players. They looked dominant. It looked like Brazil was going to do very well in the World Cup. And in fact, it did look like they were real contenders. And to be honest, Brazil was. They were real contenders. Uh, what happened against Croatia, we'll talk about that very soon, was unfortunate. Brazil should have advanced and played Argentina in the semifinals, but they did not. What matters is who wins. So again, this group finished with Brazil first. Switzerland second, Cameroon third, and Serbian fourth. And obviously, we know Neymar got injured in the first game, but that didn't really affect Brazil because he came back in the round 16 and he was playing just fine. Neymar got man of the match in the round of 16 against South Korea. He played very well against Croatia. So nevertheless, or the last group to talk about in this podcast before we reach, you know, the knockout rounds, the knockout rounds. The last group is Group H. And that was the group with Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay, and Ghana. So... Portugal came into this group, and we talked about this many times. If Portugal wanted to be a title contender, they had to bench Ronaldo. Ronaldo ain't the same, and they played him for the most part in the group stage. I think he started every game in the group stage right now. Now I can't remember. My memory fails me a little bit. But Portugal came in. They topped the group with six points. They lost the last game to South Korea, and South Korea finished in second place with four points, knocking out Uruguay, but not on goal differential. They knocked out Uruguay on goal scored. The goal differential was the same. They had a zero net goal, Uruguay and South Korea. But South Korea had scored four goals. So they advanced and goal scored. Uruguay finished third and Ghana finished last. But Ghana sort of got their revenge against Uruguay because they in the last round just wanted to get Uruguay knocked out. And they did. They got their revenge from 2010. And Ghana essentially retired Luisito Suarez from the World Cups. And they were still pissed because of that handball back in the South Africa World Cup. And they got it. And they got it. So for Group H, the last group, we had Portugal advancing in first and South Korea advancing in second. And Uruguay was another disappointment. It seems like everyone's dark horses, Uruguay, Serbia, Denmark, they all decided to get knocked out in the group stage. They really did. Uruguay, Serbia, and Denmark were most people's dark horses. And then some people mentioned Senegal, but some people pulled off on Senegal when Sadio Mane was confirmed to be out. Crazy that these teams are out. But that's what happened, right? So then we went on to the knockout rounds, the knockout rounds of the World Cup. But before we get to the knockout rounds of the World Cup, I do have to do this. I do need to give a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA season is heating up, and there are so many unknowns going on in the NBA right now. I myself am a Lakers fan, unfortunately, right? But DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and new customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That is download now the app DraftKings Sportsbook and use the, co the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN. That is T as in, you know, T, B as in ball, P, N. 
Place a $5 bet on a pregame money line in any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's the code TBPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. And again, bet with responsibility. And thank you very much, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget to use the code TBPN. Don't miss out on this great offer. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Let's move on here in the podcast. Let me get a sip of water here. And let's go to the knockout rounds of the 2022 World Cup, right? So the knockout rounds of the 2022 World Cup. We had the United States matching up with Netherlands, and that's where the road ended for Greg Berhalter and the boys. They got completely outplayed and outclassed by the Dutch. Louis van Gaal completely outcoached Greg Berhalter. He started Jesus Ferreira in that game. I don't know why. There was the whole Gio Reyna gate thing that he couldn't play Gio Reyna. Then he played Gio Reyna in that match at halftime when we were down already 2-0. Memphis Depay made fun of us. It was horrible. It was horrible. We lost 3-1. And then we had Haji Wright score that Jassi Zardes like goal for the United States. It was completely accidental. And we lost the Dutch 3-1. And I think overall it's a valuable experience for a lot of our players for a lot of the American players so they can prepare for the 2026 World Cup. They got group stage experience. They got knockout round experience. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this or later on, we moved on from Greg Berhalter and we can get an actual coach and do well in the 2026 World Cup, right? I think it was overall a valuable experience for the Americans. And the Dutch team, they 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 advance and we'll talk about because they get knocked down in the next round, but they never really looked like title contenders, the Dutch team. Very strong defense, veteran coach, but this Dutch team wasn't like past Dutch teams, right? They weren't top-heavy with the forwards, like in the past where they had Dennis Bergkamp, Kluivert, Van Persie, Snyder, Robin, uh, Johan Cruyff, Neskins, um, Van Basten. They didn't have those guys up top, right? Cody Gapko was leading the way, great player. Not at that level, though. But their defense with Van Dijk, Timber, Ake, brilliant, brilliant. And that's how they got far in this World Cup, for the most part, along with Louis van Gaal. The other game we had in the knockout rounds to go through was Argentina versus Australia. And Argentina looked shaky that game. They got a 2-0 lead with Australia. And then Australia scored a lucky goal. And Australia almost tied the game at some point. Obviously, a lot to do with Lautaro Martinez doing his best Higuain 2014 impression, missing a lot of goals left and right. But nevertheless, Argentina defeated Australia 2-1 in advance where they would face the Netherlands in the quarterfinals. But we're not in the quarterfinals yet in this podcast. So let's keep going with the round of 16. So round of 16, the other matches that we had were Japan versus Croatia, where Japan unfortunately lost to Croatia on penalty kicks because Croatia really doesn't lose on penalty kicks in the World Cup. We saw that in 2018, and we saw this again in the 2022 World Cup. They don't. You go to penalty kicks with Australia, Sorry, not Australia, Croatia. How do I put this to you? You're screwed. Yeah, you go to PKs with them, penalty kicks, you're screwed. So Japan got knocked out, unfortunately. They played very well in this World Cup. Congratulations to Japan. And the other round of 16 match that we had was Brazil versus South Korea. And that one was a bloodbath. Brazil had a 4-0 lead at halftime. The game ended 4-1 for Brazil, right? And it was easy. Brazil put on a show, and they look like contenders. Brazil really put on a show. Neymar put on a show. Vinicius. And Brazil advanced where they would face Australia. Sorry, where they would face Croatia that had just defeated Japan on penalty shootouts after a 1-1 draw. Now, going on to the other side of the bracket of the World Cup, one of the round of 16 matches we had was England and Senegal. And as I said, Senegal without Sadio Mane, they lost a bit of their bite. And then England went on to face them. And England, 
under Southgate, they beat the opponents they're supposed to beat. And they beat Senegal 3-0. Easy win. England played very well in advance. The other round of 16 match that we had was France and Poland. And France and Poland was also an easy match for France with a 3-1 French victory as expected, which then France would advance to face England in the quarterfinals. But now it's where it get, gets interesting here because then we have the matchup between Morocco and Spain. Okay, And that was a quite interesting matchup between Morocco and Spain because I, I made this joke, right, how Spain had lots of possession in this match and no penetration, which is essentially masturbation. That's Spain. Seriously, that's Spain. They couldn't do anything with the ball. And Morocco took the game to penalty kicks. It ended 0-0, and Morocco defeated Spain in penalty kicks, 3-0. And until that point in the World Cup, Morocco still hasn't conceded a goal besides the Canadian own goal. Outside of that, they haven't. Bono, their goalkeeper, was brilliant. Amrabat was fantastic for Morocco, and they advanced. They knocked out Spain. So after Morocco topped the group with Belgium and Croatia, they also knocked out Spain. Quite impressive. And the other round of 16 match, the last one, we had Portugal and Switzerland, which was a big surprise for a few reasons. One, Portugal defeated Switzerland 6-1. No one expected that because Switzerland is known for their great defense. But their defense for that game, it looked like Swiss cheese. It was full of holes. It was horrible. And Portugal defeated them 6-1. And Gonzalo, Gonzalo Ramos was the starter at the center forward. And Ronaldo was benched. That was the big thing for that game. Ronaldo was benched. And Ramos got a hat trick. So Fernando Santos got it right. He benched Ronaldo, and Portugal looked better. Now, obviously, that became a problem later on, sort of. Not really. Portugal got knocked out. We'll talk about that soon. But that was stunning. Those two matches were stunning. The, the Morocco defeating Spain, and then Portugal just running over Switzerland was not expected. Um, but benching Ronaldo played a big role, and Gonzalo Ramos got a hat-trick, and Portugal got that 6-1 victory. Now we go to the round of six, the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. And the first match for the quarterfinals that I want to talk about was Netherlands versus Argentina which that was an interesting one because Argentina got a 2-0 lead. And it was almost similar to the final. Argentina gets a 2-0 lead, seems like the game's under control, but then the Dutch get a late goal with a Veghorst, if I'm not mistaken, off a header. But then, after that, something happened. And it was probably one of the coolest moments in World Cup history, in my opinion, where Argentina allows a goal off a set piece where Veghorst scores, which it's a direct free kick for the Dutch, right? Right at the edge of the box. So you thought they would take it direct. But instead, they go on a low pass, and Veghorst takes one touch and finishes it. No one's expecting that, and the Dutch tie the game, taking it to extra time where Argentina outplayed them in extra time and defeated them on penalty shootouts with Martinez coming up big. Emmy Martinez is one of the best goalkeepers in the world on penalty shootouts. I am 100% convinced of that. We saw it in the final, and we saw it in the quarterfinals. And then Argentina, after the 2-2 draw with the Dutch, they advance on penalty kicks, which the matchup should have been against Brazil. But it was not. It was not. Brazil played Croatia, and this Croatia side is tough as nails. And as I said earlier in the podcast, and you tell me right now, what happens when you play Croatia on penalty kicks, you're screwed. Simple as that. You're screwed. You play Croatia on penalty kicks and you are screwed. And Brazil, unfortunately, took it to penalty kicks. But what happened to Brazil was Brazil dominated the game. Brazil had more opportunities. Brazil played better. But when push came to shove, 
it went to extra time. Even though Brazil created chances, Brazil couldn't score. And at the last minute or close to the last minute of the first half of extra time, Neymar got a brilliant goal. It was a beautiful goal, goal lasso for Brazil. And it seemed like the game was under control when it was over. Brazil was going to advance and likely play Argentina in the semifinals. But then Chichi made some defensive subs. He put in Fredge for, for Paqueta. The problem one is, one, I'm not for defensive subs. I thought Brazil could be playing holding possession and not risking much, but just playing it safe and holding the, the result. But what happened was, as he made a defensive sub, the setup didn't really stay that defensive. And then Fred pushes high up the field, loses the ball. Brazil gets hit in transition. Uh, Petkovic gets a shot. It deflects, and Croatia ties the game with five minutes left. So Brazil and Croatia will go to penalty shootouts, which, as I said, if you go to penalty shootouts of Croatia, you're screwed. And that's what happened. Brazil loses 4-2. And they're out of the World Cup. Neymar doesn't even take a penalty because he was the fifth one and it didn't reach that. Brazil had Rodrigo take the first one, the 21-year-old. I don't get it. Where was Thiago Silva, the experienced guys? Where were they? But Brazil was out. Um, I talked about this on the channel a lot. It was very frustrating. Chichi has to go. He's arguably the worst coach Brazil has ever had in terms of results. I know Dunga was a worse coach, but... Chichi had two World Cups, two quarterfinal exits. That is embarrassing for Brazil standards. And in 2022, he had arguably the best squad in the World Cup, and he's out. Chichi is gone from Brazil. Thank goodness he's done. And then Croatia advanced. Props to Croatia. Credit to Croatia. They do deserve it. Second semifinal in a row. They made it to the final in 2018, and they would go on to face Argentina. But now, going through the other quarterfinal match, we had the first one on the other side of the bracket, which was France versus England. When the World Cup started, I said, England will lose to the first real title contender they play. And that happened. The first title contender they played was France. And to England's credit, they played very well that game. They could have won it. Harry Kane missed the penalty kick and could have tied the game. England had two penalties. Harry Kane converted to one. The other one, he didn't. Now, France got two goals. Obviously, Giroud always comes, comes in clutch. Show a many with a nice goal in that same match. And France defeated England 2-1. But England could have won this game. They played very well. They played very well. Again, Harry Kane missed the penalty kick. But as always, England gets knocked out by the first title contender that they play. And that's exactly what happened. They're out. And they're going to keep Gareth Southgate. And they're going to continue to fail. That's what's going to happen to England, despite all the talent they have. So France, the current champions, advance. And then the other quarterfinals was between Morocco and Portugal. And that was a good one. Not the game itself. The game kind of kind of sucked, honestly. I didn't have that much fun watching that game. Besides the fact that Morocco became everyone's favorite underdog and the first African nation to make it to the semifinals. Morocco. They defeated Portugal 1-0 with a header scored by El Nesri. I hope I said his name right. El Nesri scored. Ronaldo was benched again. He came in at halftime. Couldn't really do anything. Cristiano had a very disappointing World Cup once again. Cristiano Ronaldo. He retires from World Cups with zero knockout round World Cup goals. Um, it's unfortunate because Ronaldo is a legend, the second best player of this generation just behind Lionel Messi. And he really never really performed much in the World Cup, right? Maybe 06 when he was young and Portugal made that run to the semifinals. But not a good, it was just wasn't a good World Cup career for a legend like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Uh, but yeah, Ronaldo retired in that game. He left the match crying. It was horrible to watch. I didn't like it one bit. And Morocco advanced to face France. And then we reached the semifinals, and we're almost done with this podcast. So if you made it this far in the podcast, make sure to drop a review. 
if you enjoy the content. I'm doing it here on my own today because Pete's not feeling very good. So if you enjoy the content, make sure to leave a review, preferably a five-star one if you made it this far. Semifinals. Argentina plays Croatia. Easy win. 3-0 victory. Messi leads the way. He puts Gavardiol, one of the best center backs in the world, on skates. Gets the assist. Got the goal. Julian Alvarez balled out. Right, two goals for Julian Alvarez. If I'm not, yeah, he got a brace in this game. Uh, 3-0 for Argentina. They cruise past Croatia, which was a surprise. I didn't expect Argentina to beat Croatia with so much ease. And then we have the other semifinals, which was between France and Morocco. And the France and Morocco game also went exactly as I expected. I did a prediction video on YouTube. And if you look at it, both of my predictions for Argentina and Argentina and Croatia, France and Morocco, they were 100% accurate. I said France would win 2-0. They would score first against Morocco. That hadn't happened in the, the tournament so far for Morocco. And I didn't know how Morocco would know how to behave if they were down on the scoreboard. And that's what happened. Morocco had possession, but they couldn't really get the goal. They got close a few times, but they couldn't really get it. And then France killed off the game, got the second goal. In advance to the final to defend their title, which Morocco and Croatia obviously went to the third place match, where Croatia went on to win, right? 2-1 Croatia. Congratulations, third place, and congratulations to Morocco that finished fourth. Wonderful accomplishments from both of these nations. I think Morocco was a true underdog story. I don't know if we can call Croatia an underdog story. Like, how do you call a team that made it to the final in 2018 and semifinal in 2022 an underdog? They're not an underdog. They're just good. Modric is a legend. Perisic also. What a freaking player. Gavardio, one of the best center backs in the world. That midfield of Croatia with Brozovic, Modric, and Kovacic was a top three midfield in the World Cup. They're not an underdog. They're just a very good team. Very, very good team, Croatia. Even though they could have gotten knocked out by Belgium in the group stage, as I said, Lukaku had a higher expected goal XG stat than the entire Croatian squad. But he couldn't score. Croatia advanced. Legendary team, as I said. This is the golden generation we probably should have hyped. And then we reached the final, the last game of the World Cup, which usually finals are underwhelming because teams are afraid to lose in the game. But this final was special. There was something more to it. There's this battle between Messi and Mbappe. Uh, Messi's last World Cup probably, and, and Messi's last chance to finish his career with a World Cup and match Diego Maradona for Argentina. And the expectation for this final was high. And what I'll say is it delivered. It really did. This to me was the best World Cup final I've seen in my life. Uh, if you're older, maybe you can update me. Maybe you've watched something. The first one I really watched was 02. But this was the best one. I have no doubt in my mind. So 70 minutes of the game was Argentina dominating France, holding their own very well with a 2-0 lead. 70 to 75 minutes. Then the last 15 minutes of this match, all the way to the penalty shootouts, it was insanity. It was the greatest World Cup final of all time. Simply like that. The match ended 3-3 for a reason. right? So Argentina had a 2-0 lead all the way up to the 80th minute. 80th minute. And then Otamendi makes a mistake. And just to recap one thing here, Argentina got the 2-0 lead with Lionel Messi off a penalty kick and Di Maria also in transition. 2-0 Argentina. Di Maria, by the way, uh, didn't play much in the World Cup because of injuries, but in the final, he was probably one of the best players. Until he was on, While he was on the field, Di Maria was brilliant, but he couldn't play the full 90 minutes because he's not fully fit, wasn't fully fit. So on the 80th minute, after a mistake from Otamendi, France gets a penalty kick. And I believe that was their first shot on target the entire match. Penalty kick taken by Kylian Mbappe. Argentina 2-1. 
10 minutes to go. One minute later, Mbappe does a nice combination play. The ball goes up in the air and he hits a beautiful volley. One of the most beautiful World Cup final goals I've seen in my life to tie the game. And I don't even like Mbappe. I don't like the guy. The ego's up there. I'm not a big fan, but this guy is unreal. When you look at his World Cup numbers at his age, 23, there's only one player that comes to mind that you can compare to in terms of numbers. And you're thinking, what, Messi? No, it's Pele, right? Pele at this age had two World Cup titles, but in terms of numbers, scoring in the final, he scored in two back-to-back -back finals. Um, Mbappe has four goals in World Cup finals already. He had a hat trick in this final, a hat trick. So it goes to, so the game finishes 2-2, right? The game finishes 2-2, the final, and then we go to extra time where Messi at the 108th minute scores for Argentina. He scores in the box and a finish that the defender from our, from France almost saves it on the line, but Messi finishes off a rebound and gets Argentina the third goal. And then it sort of looked like it was over. It looked like it was over. Argentina is going to win this in, in extra time, 3-2. But at the 118th minute, which was two minutes left to finish the game, we have another penalty kick for France. A real one. It was a penalty kick. It was. It was a handball. Kylian Mbappe steps up and he converts his penalty. 3-3. What a game. What a final. The greatest final I've ever seen. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And then we go to penalty shootouts. And Argentina mainly wins because they were cold. First of all, they were very cold, right? Argentina wins on penalty shootouts. And Messi lifts his first World Cup trophy. First and last, right? Um, just to wrap things up with his career. And he didn't retire by the from the national team, by the way. So he's probably going to play in the 2024 Copa America that will likely be in the United States. But Argentina wins in the penalty shootouts 4-2. to two. They converted all their penalty kicks. Messi converted his, and Martinez was able to save one, and Chouamini also missed one, uh, missed a target. But Argentina converted all four of their penalty kicks. And if you go also against the Dutch, Argentina converted four out of five. Only Enzo Fernandez missed it. So this team was ready for penalty shootouts. This team was built for knockout rounds, and they defeated France 4-2 on penalty shootouts. Messi lifted the World Cup trophy, and congratulations. I think... The, the, I don't like the GOAT debate. I don't think there's a greatest of all time because comparing eras is impossible. I'm sorry, it really is. But what I can say is this, just to wrap things up here about this World Cup. This World Cup consolidated Messi's legacy as the greatest player of his generation. He's won it all. Ballon d'Ors, Champions League. Now he has won the World Cup. Copa America. The, the narrative was that Messi couldn't do it with the national team, but he won the Copa America last year in 2021 for Argentina, and now he won the World Cup. He's done it all. He also scored in every single knockout round game in this World Cup. He had a Maradona-like World Cup for Argentina, leading them to glory. And congratulations, Lionel Messi, the greatest player of this generation, one of the best to ever play the game. And it's truly been an honor to follow his career. That ain't over. It ain't over. Still going to play probably another Copa America. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Messi's career challenge right now will be to win when he goes to Inter Miami, which he will, by the way, win an MLS Cup with Inter Miami, which might be harder to win an MLS Cup with Inter Miami than it is to win a World Cup for Argentina. We'll see. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. This is the ultimate, the best World Cup recap that I could do. I'm sorry if I talked too much. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review. 
Merry Christmas also, depending on where you're listening to this. We'll drop one or two more episodes about the U.S. men's national team this year, and then we get ready for 2023, the 2026 World Cup cycle. It's been an honor to cover the World Cup for y'all. It really has. I loved it. The growth on YouTube, now the podcast here. Pete will be back with us for 2023. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Lots of love. Thank you for watching. Or not watching. We're not on YouTube. I'll just end it like this. Have a great day.